right? So then tonight, this might seem a little bit disjointed because you might wonder, well, we're talking about family. Um, but the husband and wife relationship is so um, immensely important in regard to the family. Um, it really is the foundation for your family. And even if, um, you know, I know, like, I don't know everybody in here, if everybody's married, but um, even in our home, I would talk to our girls and, and, and even talk about some of these issues because one day, you know, we will be married. And one day it's going to be an issue. And um, I would even encourage them, you know, I want you to be careful about how you talk to your brothers because one day you're gonna be talking to your husband. And if you just spout things off and you let things fly out of your mouth that are condescending and that are cutting them down, then watch out because you might get into a habit that is hard to break and you might do that to your husband one day. So watch the way you talk to your brothers. And one really beautiful thing from that is that it's very sweet to see the sibling relationships that, well, the girls are all close to each other, but the, like, specifically Malia and Brennan, Carissa and Wesley, and then Jace and Shayna, they were very, very close. And I think they felt that love and respect from their sisters. And I think it called our boys higher. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, we're gonna talk about that a little bit tonight because also your children are always watching. It's something that, um, it's, just, it's just huge in the family. Um, I, a few years ago, I heard a Dr. Dobson's 90-second commentary. And when I heard it, it really stunned me. I, I went online, I found it, and I wrote it down. And so this is what it was. In a typical family today, is dad thought of as a hero? or a bum. Now this is what's so interesting. Believe it or not, the answer may depend on what mom thinks. This maternal influence was beautifully described in a book called Fathers and Sons by Luis Yablonsky. He talked about growing up in a Yiddish home and sitting around the dinner table and listening to his mother say things like, look at your father. His shoulders are bent down. He's a failure. He doesn't have the courage to get out and get a better job or make more money. He's a beaten man. Yablonsky's father never defended himself. He just kept staring at his plate. As a result, his three sons grew up believing that his father really was a wimp. They never noticed his virtues or that he indeed worked very hard for a living. Yablonsky concluded, with this statement, my overall research clearly supports that the mother is the basic filter and has enormous significance on the father-son and I would like to say to the father-daughter relationship. Yablonsky is absolutely right. Children tend to see their fathers through the eyes of their mothers picking up the subtle attitudes that lie just beneath the surface. How much better for a wife to praise her husband, to point out his strengths, 
to position him in the children's eyes as someone with courage and principle. Mom's going to need the influence of a strong man in the eyes of her children. She'd do well to contribute to that masculine leadership. And that's pretty much where that ends. And um, I wrote down Ephesians 5.33, let each of you love his wife as his very own self, and this is the um, amplified version, and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him. So many times it can be so easy to not notice our spouse, our husband, or our wife because we just see them every day and then we pretty much start ignoring them. But the scripture tells us in the Amplified, she notices him, she regards him, she honors him, she prefers him, she venerates and esteems him, and she defers to him, she praises him, and loves him and admires him exceedingly. Um, Proverbs 14.1 tells us that a wise woman, this is why I think that this relationship is so powerful and has everything to do with our home. Because as the Bible says in Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds up her house, but the foolish tear it down with her hands. Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren, will try to get the wife. He's going to try really hard. And he's pretty good at it. He's going to try to get the wife to disrespect her husband for the purpose of tearing down the home. He wants to tear the home down. That's his whole goal. And we sometimes can be so naive and be so blindsided with an attack, and we just think we're having an argument. Uh, no, the accuser of the brethren, he's whispering in our ear. We're believing his lies and then attacking our husbands. Um, and first it starts in your mind, and then if you let it stay in your mind long enough, pretty soon you're gonna be speaking it out of your mouth. But his purpose is to tear our homes down. Often we're ignorant of our enemy, and we just think that we're having an argument, and a lot of times it's regarding something with the children, and sometimes even in front of the children. That's something that we really, really need to watch. How a wife builds up her husband has everything to do with how she honors her husband, or how she builds up her house has everything to do with how she honors her husband. The effect of that honor is the building up of the entire family unit. You're not just building up your husband. When you love him in the way that Ephesians 5 talks about, you are blessing your children. You are giving them such a strong foundation. The entire family is blessed. And you know what, you're blessed too. I had a friend, she told me one time, she said, you know what, I really, I, I noticed something. Iswan shared this with me one time. She said, I, I noticed that if I get sarcastic or if I criticize my husband or if I demean him in any way, my children don't respect me that much. It's like I'm putting my husband down, but I'm tearing, and I'm tearing him down, but I'm also tearing myself down at the same time. 
So when we, um, when we tear down our husband, the effect will be we're tearing down our house. Um, Proverbs 12, 4 um, in the Net Bible says, a noble wife is a crown to her husband. She's a symbol of honor and glory. Isn't that amazing? That is so beautiful. She's a symbol of honor and glory. She's the opposite of a woman who's disgraceful, who causes shame, or who lowers his standing in the community or the home. She that makes him ashamed is as rottenness to his bones. And then the net notes say her shameful acts eat away his strength and his confidence and influence and destroy his happiness. So let's be virtuous women contributing to the strength and the confidence of our husbands. And let's be like in the, um, the King James, it says that a virtuous woman is a crown. She's a crown to her husband. So what does a crown symbolize? If a man is wearing a crown, you know, he's the king. He is the one in the final, he's the final authority in the room. And that's what we are to our husbands. So that when people look at him because of the way we're treating him and the way we are responding to him, the way that we're talking to him, the way that we're addressing him, the way that we're regarding him, deferring to him, noticing him, others say, oh, that's a man of authority. That's what we want to be. Um, a lot of times it can be... Um, it can be challenging because when you're a mom, a lot of times you really want to make your kids happy. But what I observed, you know, different times and, you know, maybe the dad gives the children a directive. Okay, well, you're sitting in the front seat. And the child's like, well, or, you know, you're, you're sitting in the back seat and they want to sit in the front seat. Or they want to sit anywhere else but where dad told them to sit. And they start complaining, no, but I, mom said I could sit in the front seat. I, I, I'm supposed to sit here. I, no, it's my turn. And mom's like hearing a little commotion, so she's like stepping in. Well, excuse me, like what's going on here? And dad's like, well, I told him to sit in the back. Well, why can't he sit in the front? What, what's the big deal? It's, it's okay. I, I, yeah, I told him he already could, so just let him sit in the front seat. So mom intervened, right, Randy, that's right. Not the right thing to do at all. She just took him down in front of those children, said we don't need to listen to dad, we don't need to respect what he says, and I'm the one that's in charge here. Dad's not in charge. So we definitely want to be careful about that. Um, it's, it's just really sad to see, and in those situations, did I see that when, as that child grew, that they did well with the Lord and with their family? No, no, but it's no surprise. It's no surprise because we're always sowing and reaping, right? So, um, and also I had mentioned this yesterday, but just like any, any house rules, Barry had this um, fun house rule 
with the kids when they were little because, you know, the carpet, like we just built that house and we spent a lot of money on the carpet. So he's like, okay, guys, when you come inside, you either have to, one, wash your feet before you come in. You have to come in, go, you're playing outside and you gotta come in, use the bathroom or you wanna get a drink. If you're walking on the carpet, wash your feet. And if you don't wanna wash your feet, then get down and crawl. <laughs> and it was so funny. <laughs> We would have company over, and the kids would run in, drop to their knees, and they're crawling to the bathroom. And our friends are like, what in the world? I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. We're keeping our carpet. <laughs> but it was fun. But, you know, there are times when maybe the father makes a rule, and you're like, well, I don't really think that that's necessary. I don't really think we need to do that. And he's not home right now anyway. No, we, if we're going to honor, then we're going to be consistent because it's a matter of the heart. It's not just a matter of when he sees and when he doesn't see. It's all the time. And you, it's just such a huge blessing to our children when we do that. Um, so I just wanted to say, like, in, in regards to, like, how we venerate our husband, and how we hold him up to our children. Um, you know, the enemy, I believe, I know he's done it with us, with me specifically. You know, the accuser of the brethren tried to, like, well, he, you know, there were times when he worked, like, really, really hard. I mean, he's always worked really hard. And sometimes that would be difficult. Like, okay, so dad's not going to be home again, mom? Like, is dad going to be here for dinner? Yeah, I think he is tonight. I think he is. And then, okay, dad's not going to be home. Well, sometimes then you have the enemy, like, man, they're home from college. They're not going to be here that many days. We got lots of other things pulling on him. It's so hard. And so one specific situation that happened was a couple of the kids were home. They were getting ready to go back in a few days. We were going to have a family meal that night. And Barry calls me up, and well, he had come, this one particular child had come into the kitchen, Mom, is Dad going to be home? Because he's really, like, his dad's super important to him. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be home. And then it's getting later and later and later and later and later, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's not going to be home. And so the enemy starts working on me. I'm like, what? Like, doesn't this matter? I mean, of course it matters. But so this is the enemy. Like, okay, uh, it's going to be another meal with um, he's and he's not going to be here. And I'm like, doggone it, Lord, please help me, Holy Spirit, help me. I need your help. I don't want to listen to this. And so then, then the other, the child that I'm talking about, like he's having a hard time with it. I'm like, Lord, please, like I give this to you, and I need you to help me. I I want to build him up. I don't want him. I don't want the enemy to win here and him be torn down. And so then Barry calls me, and it's, um, I don't know what time it was. We were just about to eat, and he's laughing. And he's like, hon, he's like, you wouldn't believe what happened. He's like, it's just another day, trees of righteousness. He's like, we are putting in this tree, and we break this this." line this major water line and it's like a geyser going off in the front yard and we had to fix it like and I go here and I couldn't find the parts or I don't know just all this stuff 
and he had the best attitude. He had just been working, sweating his brains out all day, gotten up early in the morning. He's got an amazing attitude like, okay, here's another red letter day or whatever. And I'm just like, Lord, I am married to such an amazing man, such an amazing man. He's not complaining about how hard he has to work. He has a lot of mouths to feed. He's got college to pay for. Not, he's never come home and complained. He's never come home and complained about his job or what's going on. And I, I just respect that about him so much. And I feel so stupid any time where the enemy has, I've even listened to him for a little bit because it's like, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's such a liar. And so we know if he's a liar, the opposite of what he's saying is true, right? So if he's saying one thing, we know, okay, Mr. Devil, thank you very much. Now I know what the truth is. It's the exact opposite of what you just said. So um, anyway, so I got off the phone with Barry, and we sit down to eat, and the kids are like, oh, Dad's not going to be able to have dinner with us. And I'm like, guys, I just hope that when you get married and you have children, that you bless your children the way your dad has blessed you. I said to him, can you, any of you ever remember him coming home in a bad mood? No, no, he, he, he hasn't. I said, I know, you know, he's actually here, he's been working all day, and he's laughing. Like he is bringing grace into the situation with laughter and with humor. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, your dad's amazing. They're like, yeah. <laughs> but that that blessed me and I was like thank you Holy Spirit you turned it around when the enemy was trying to come in let's just kick him out um, and uh, let's see um, yeah this is not the so she's presenting the picture better than it is so <laughs> no that's uh, not just, true just, just no but here, here's the truth though with what, with what she's saying. My kids love and respect me the way that they do in large part because of the way that Diane has always talked about me to them and in front of them. She, she doesn't roll her eyes, you know? You've seen it, right? Uh, say something and they're like, oh, wow. That, that kind of stuff sends a message to the kids that your dad is not worthy of respect. So, guys, this works both ways. Your boys are going to learn how to relate to, your, to their mom and your daughters, how to relate to their mom based on, you know, we, we want to have a culture of honor in the home, which I know that, that for a lot of people, the dysfunction in their home is, is um, you know, it's just so, it's a pandemic in our culture. I mean, we know that. So, create an atmosphere you know, this, this is my thing. This is the one thing that I know about <laughs> child rearing, okay, which I go back to over and over again because if you only know one thing, then that's the note you sing all the time, right? You're always singing one. So, and that is create an atmosphere in your home that the Holy Spirit's pleased to dwell in. And so if, if, if mom and dad are honoring each other, loving each other, that creates an atmosphere for the child of security. They're so happy. They feel safe there. If mommy and daddy love each other and honor each other, that's a safe atmosphere. And so 
um, that's a that's a big deal for for their concept and for the way that they relate to their parents. How many times have I heard in my life uh, I have a hard time relating to God as my father because of the way that I was raised, and I get abusive situations, I, I get all of that stuff, but let's turn that around and saying, praise God, I have an easy time relating to God as my father because of how I was raised. Why not turn that around? I mean, I believe the Lord wants to do that. And, you know, the mom and creating the image for the dad is huge, and the dad for creating the, the, the child's. You're helping your children to see how, how should I relate to mom, how should I relate to dad. It's just huge. Little things matter, and there's, there's this whole process called erosion that happens in relationships, and it happens with, in marriages where it starts out awesome on the wedding day. <laughs> I've performed quite a few weddings, and I see the way that they look, each other and I look at each other, and I'm like, they're not going to hear one thing that I say in the charge, the, uh, 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 which is all right. But then you know how that works in marriages. So how do they get from there to 15 years later when they don't even like each other very much? there's a process called erosion. And it's little things. It's not generally the big things. It's the little things. It's the way you talk. It's the way you look at each other. It's the way you touch each other. It's all of those kinds of things. Don't miss, um, don't underestimate the fact that your kids notice everything. They notice everything with the way that you relate to each other, with the way you look at each other, the way you talk to each other and about each other. They know when you're frustrated and when you're aggravated and irritated. They know. Your kids know you, and you can't hide it. And so you just have to be aware of that in child rearing, that they know what you are exactly. And, and you can't hide that. So the way that you relate to each other as husband and wife carries huge ramifications uh, for your children, how they grow up and their security, their happiness, and how they learn what marriage is supposed to be like, how they learn their roles with each other as well. So. Well, I mean, so Sissy's asking when there is frustration and you maybe you do have totally different opinions about what you want to do or where you want to go or how you're going to spend that money or maybe even bigger issues. Um, but I feel like, so he's, he is the leader. And I'm his helper, so I'm going to help him lead. When I help him lead... I am glorifying the Lord, because you glorify the Lord when you fulfill the purpose for which he created you. So if I'm created to be his helper, I'm glorifying God when I help him lead. And sometimes that means me completely, um, you know, of course, like you express your desire or your opinion. We've had a lot of things where we really felt like, you know, totally opposite like what we needed to do. And if I felt like, okay, even regards to when we had the children, uh, when we were gonna have more children, I was like, okay, Lord, number one, this is what I know. 
okay, I feel you stirring in my heart. I'm crying out to you for more children, but this is one thing I know. You don't want me to argue with my husband. That's number one. So if this is gonna happen, it's gonna be because you have changed his heart. It's not gonna be because I'm gonna convince him. I'm not gonna get frustrated about it. I'm not gonna argue about it. I'm gonna go to you. And if we believe that the Lord hears us when we pray, we can let it go. We can pray and we can release it to the Lord. And you know, if there's things he wants us to do, whatever, I kept reading books about children were such a blessing. <laughs> And I went, you know, I went, well, I might share a little something with them, but I, I was, <laughs> but um, anyway, we can, we can really leave it with the Lord and think about like with, I, I felt like the Lord was reminding me of this during worship, just like with Isaac and Rebecca. Now she knew that Jacob was he was supposed to be like the firstborn, even though he was the secondborn, and that Esau was really going to serve Jacob. So what did she do? She got in there. She manipulated. She tried to take control. She needed to say, and listen, God told her this was legitimate. She knew what God had said to her, but it was not her place to take control. She caused one of her sons to want to murder the other one. Esau wanted to murder Jacob. And their relationship was strained for years and years and years and years. It took them out of the will of God, and God had to do all this stuff and get them back where they needed to be. But sometimes we think we have got to take control when we don't. We can just say, honey, I really, I mean, there were times um, getting, when we got our van, we, uh, we were going to have Landon, and we needed another car seat because we had a Camaro. We only had four car seats. That wasn't going to work. So, yeah, we had a Camaro. Very I, I missed that car. But yeah. You can't get seven kids in there, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen that. They, the Spanish can get seven on a scooter, bro. <laughs> I've seen it in the DR. They'll stack them on top of each other. The, the mom will have two infants, and then they'll have three other kids stacked on top. Yeah, I've seen it. But when we were going to get, we needed to get another car, and I was praying about it one day, and it just really dropped in my spirit. Like, okay, God, you know all the mechanics of all the cars. Like, you know what's going to happen. You know what's wrong with the car. You know how long it's going to last. We need a good car, and we don't have a lot of money to buy it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to find it. And I just, this conviction draws in my heart. The Lord is going to bring us a car. Now, that sounds stupid, especially to a man. Like, the Lord's going to bring it to you? No, you go look for it. So one night, he's like, "Huh? I saw some vans. I want to go look at a van. And I'm thinking, we're not supposed to go look for a van because the Lord's going to bring us one. But it wasn't my place to tell him, no, we're not going to do that, because God told me that he's bringing us one. So I'm like, okay. So we get in the car. And I had told him. I prayed about it. I, I said, I really feel like the Lord's going to bring us a van. So we go look at one. And he says to me, we're driving home. He says, so what would you think? How do, how do you feel about those vans we saw? I was like, well, I, I feel like we're sinning. <laughs> Poor Barry, he looked at me like, my wife totally lost it. <laughs> she has lost it. <laughs> I 
lost it. She thinks we're sinning because we're looking at cars. But I was like, no, I just feel like we're sinning. And he, we didn't say anything else about it, just kind of <laughs> left it. And then a couple weeks later, you know, somebody called us, said, hey, I do car detailing, and somebody told me that you guys were looking for a van. We have a van here. You guys really need to come look at it. And it was our, it was our car that the Lord blessed us with, and it was an amazing. We could afford it, and it ran so great. Like, it was such a blessing for the Lord, but it just wasn't my place to insist to, uh, with Barry, like, no, we're doing wrong. Like, I mean, I, he asked me, so I told him, but then we didn't talk about it anymore. I mean, it's just like, Lord, okay, you said, you know, I really feel like this is what you said, and, and so we can, we can trust the Lord with it. We can trust the Lord, and um, I have a story that happened not too long ago, really, a little bit over a year ago. Um, it was really cool because, like, Shana had, had just shared with me one time. She's like, you know what? I noticed that when, you know, our husbands sometimes, we hear this all the time in premarital counseling, that the hardest thing for a man is to really feel confident in being the spiritual leader. They have a lot of fear that they're not going to be able to do a good job with it. So, you know, and some, so Shana was telling me, I noticed that, like, when Luis would suggest something, um, I just put it out there like I'm having a conversation with anybody else in the world, and if I thought differently, I just countered it. Like, well, no, I don't think so. I think we should do this. And she said, I started to notice the expression on his face just kind of drop a little bit. And she said, it dawned on me. He's trying to be the spiritual leader. But he's not just stepping out there and I'm going to take charge now, honey, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. He's making a suggestion. And she said, I noticed that if I, that, that how, how happy he looked when I, when I went along with what he was wanting to do. And now, of course, like if there was like, okay, I really feel like this is the wrong thing, like, and then, okay, maybe let's discuss it. But it wasn't, you know, a lot of times it's little things, but we want them to lead in the big things, but we don't want to give them charge of the little things. And so, um, so one day, we, after church, I had taught children's church, and um, I mean, I'm a, I, had, I was spent. I was spent after children's church. I just felt so emotionally drained. I just wanted to go home, my quiet little kitchen. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And um, so we're driving home, and we, we hardly ever eat out. But um, after church, especially, like, we just, we just usually go home. With all the kids, we just got used to doing that because it's expensive to eat out with a lot of kids. So we are just used to eating at home. So we were, we were um, going to drive. We were, gonna, we were talking about going to Panera's, actually. And um, so I'm, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Before that had happened, um, months ago, months before that Sunday when we were going out to eat, Brennan had lost his Bible. He had written in that Bible his, you know, it was a present from the two of us. That Bible meant a lot to him. He had a lot of personal notes in it. And he, he loved his Bible. He left it at church one day, and he had asked Raul about it, and he couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and he, he kept asking me, Mom, will you pray that I find my Bible? You know, a couple different times. Mom, please pray that I find my Bible. I really, really want to find my Bible. I'm looking for it again. Will you help me look for it today when we go to church? And, 
And so this went on for a little bit, and then he just pretty much lost hope that he was going to ever find his Bible again. But when we went to Panera that Sunday, so Barry suggests that I'm thinking, well, how about we drive through, and then we can just take it home. And Barry says, no, let's just go in because it'll be easier that way. We'll just get our food, no mess, we'll eat there, and then we'll go home. Now the inside, I'm thinking, no, <laughs> I don't want to go in and see anybody. I don't want to <laughs> see anybody that we know. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to eat there with all those people all around me. I don't really like the way it smells sometimes. Like, I just want to go home. And, but I didn't, until all that's going on on the inside, and I didn't say anything, because this was fresh in me about, okay, glorify me by, in, even in small ways, by letting him lead. So I was like, Lord, and Holy Spirit was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to do what you tell other women that they should do? Are you going to just let him lead? Are you just going to go into Benera, even though your flesh does not want to do that? I was like, doggone it. Like, Lord, yes, you know I'm going to do that. I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, we can go in. <laughs> so we walk into Panera. Barry and Malia went to get in line. I told them what I wanted, and I was going to go find a table. And I found Brennan's Bible on one of the tables at Panera. What in the world? Isn't that crazy? Like God had that all planned. He knew he was going to show us the Bible that day. And But if I had not had, I mean, if I just did what I wanted and just like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. And if I had told Barry, honestly, if I had said, hon, I'm exhausted. I really don't want to. He would have been, okay, we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll just go through the drive-thru because he's, he's good to me. He spoils me. Like, I mean, you know, he wouldn't have cared that much if I had said something. But I knew the Lord was, like, testing me on it. Like, are you going to do what you, are you going to encourage leading in the little things? And are you going to counter it? Are you, you know. So anyway. Did he even go to Panera? Like, had Brennan even been there? No. So someone else there had had his, his yeah, his Bible yeah, was Yeah, they on. got his Bible, and they, yeah. they'd had it for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy story. So, guys, let me encourage you with, um, or ladies, let me encourage you with your husbands. <laughs> Kevin Lehman says this, which I think is a great thing. Submission for the wife means ducking so the Lord can knock your husband in the head. <laughs> so there, there's obviously there are there are times where where we don't uh, get it right, but yielding and trusting in the Lord, like He has, the Lord has ways of making us kavapavate, and um, He can get it done without your help, Mama. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that means you don't you don't give your opinion or whatever, but I just think as far as the nagging thing or the guilt manipulation thing or the controlling thing, that's usually counterproductive and um, causes a lot of uh, tension. One thing I tell couples in premarital counseling to the 
Wife, one thing your husband doesn't want you to be is his mama. <laughs> he doesn't want you to be his mama. He wants you to be his bride and his lover, uh, not his mama. So you don't need to nag him about dirty socks and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the Lord's got it. So, again, he's talking about a culture of honoring each other in the home. It's a big deal for your kids. It affects them. Um, then, just going to mention real quick a few um, things with uh, encouraging the children to have loving relationships. Um, one thing that was not allowed was harming each other, of course, physically, or even with their words. You know, they weren't allowed to call each other names, speak in a derogatory, condescending way where they're cutting each other down. We just... Um, didn't feel like that would really foster a sibling um, love. So um, that was definitely something that we disciplined for, for. And even, it was so cute, really, but I had to laugh, but Brennan and, um, not Brennan, Wesley and Landon, when they were little, they, I had to give them a spanking one time because one of them yelled out, you boo-boo, and the other one yelled out, you blah-blah. They, they, they didn't know argument. any bad words to call each other, so yeah, they made up stuff. that was the worst thing they could think about. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Praise well, God you know that, what? Yeah. In their little mind, that could have been a cuss word. Mm. It was like, well, we're going to have to take care of that. We can't allow that because, you know, it could, it, it could have been worse. But anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, and then, um, of course, we talked about this last week, teaching them to apologize eye to eye, a sincere, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Um, one thing that we did, um, if it was one of the kids' birthday or if somebody was sick, I would encourage the kids, like, hey, it's Shana's birthday today. Do you guys want to make her bed for her? And, like, yeah. And, like, well, okay, she's in the kitchen, so why don't you run in there right now and she won't even know. And then, you know, they just, they just love that. They, would just, they just would feel so blessed in little ways um, by siblings doing each other chores for them. And, you know, the little, the little things like that that you do to encourage their relationship with their little, they, you'll see that they, they continue that. They continue wanting to bless each other. And even as they're mostly adults now, I mean, Malia's 18, so I can say, like, they're all adults now. But now it's like leaving a letter in each other's room. Maybe somebody having a hard time and somebody writing them a letter or having a, you know, just, it was really sweet to me. I just, it was an amazing mom day when um, Carissa, one time she was home for spring break and Wesley was home. So this was Wesley and Carissa and Brennan and Malia were all home and Carissa was out in the backyard and she had had like a devastating breakup at school and she was out in the back with her journal and just journaling and really having a hard day very devastated and I was on the phone with someone and Wesley comes up to me and he says mom can I borrow the car I'm like sure what are you doing he's like well we're gonna kidnap Carissa Aww. so she's out in the gazebo in her backyard and I'm looking out the back door and so Wesley and Malia and Brennan run around the backyard hop over the fence go grab Carissa pick her up by the arms and the legs take her out, carry her to the car. She has no idea where they're going. They're all screaming and laughing. 
<laughs> and they just go to McDonald's on all good Sundays, you know. But it just, but it starts in the little things, you know. It starts with spin the bottle, you know, and um, and apologizing and keeping that love and respect um, through the years. Yeah, one thing that you always said to them that was really good is you guys need to remember in the way that you treat each other, you're going to be best friends your whole life. That stuck inside of them. It really did. And so this is the culture we're creating. You're going to be best friends your whole life. Uh, so our, our kids, other than the time we had to Thailand and Wesley together uh, a couple of times <laughs> to get along, they, they, they really do love each other. And th there's a there's a culture of creating and helping them to honor each other as well in the same. Right. And one thing that was, because with having a lot of ch children, I didn't want our older children to despise the little ones. Like they're getting into my stuff, they're always messing up my room, they're, break, they're breaking my stuff. So we just didn't allow them to do that. I said, no, you have to ask permission you have to, you can't mess up their rooms. You know, their personal privacy and is to be respected at all times. And if they didn't do that, then that was cause for them to be disciplined. Um, if they, of course, if they broke anything, they had to pay it back. Um, but, and even with sharing, like, and this might seem a little bit, um, I don't know, way overboard, but we didn't insist on them sharing. Now that might seem kind of crazy because, but if they just got like that little airplane for their birthday, that's theirs. Does your neighbor come to you and say, um, Kathleen, can I borrow your car today? Like what? Yeah, I'm going to Walmart and I want to borrow, don't you share? <laughs> You'd be like, uh, you're weird. <laughs> no, that's my car. <laughs> you're not taking it to Walmart. But our kids, you know, when we, I think sometimes they can feel disrespected when we just make them give up that special thing that they just got, well, is it theirs or is it not theirs? Because if it's theirs, then they do get to choose. But you know what I found? Our kids always chose to. But it, at first they might be like, well, I just got it. Let me have a little time with it. And then, you know, you can maybe ask me in another hour or whatever. Or I would say, why don't you ask them a little later? They just got it. It's not time yet. You know, let them have some time with their new airplane or whatever, and, um, but then, because they had to ask permission, because it wasn't a right that they had, and they didn't feel entitled to play with their sibling's toy, they took better care of it, and they knew that if they broke it, they'd have to repay it, but that went a long way, I think, to encourage um, their relationship, um, and just one of the biggest things I think if we sat all of our kids down, I know some of them have said this before, but like what was something that as far as like our family unit, you really loved to do and that really blessed you, ministered to you, encouraged you in all relationships with everybody, like everyone in the family. Um, Barry would sit everybody down and we would have a time to pray. And maybe sometimes we'd be praying about a certain situation, maybe an election coming up. That happened a couple times when he did that, but just praying over the kids and like, okay, come on guys, we're all gonna we're all gonna pray for Brennan right now. Everybody gather around Brennan. 
Do you know when we were down there prayer time, that child felt so blessed. They, they knew who they were. They felt loved. They felt, you know, just very cared for. Um, and that was a very, very sweet time, I think, as far as a family, as far as siblings loving and respecting each other and even, you know, us as their parents. When you're sitting at their feet and you're crying out to the Lord for them um, and ministering to them is very beautiful. And a lot of times, you know, if the Lord gives you a word for them, you speak it over them, and their siblings would too. I mean, it's powerful. Uh, just words of encouragement from the Lord, so. That's pretty much what we had. I don't know if anybody has any questions. Comments? Yeah, questions. comments. Yeah. Talking about creating a culture of honoring each other and respecting, mutual respect and honor in your home. Uh, it, it, it does invite the Holy Spirit's presence into your home when you do that. And I'll just say, too, like, and going a step beyond that, beyond your home, you know, when they see that how you're caring for those around you, like even when you go to the store, you see somebody that's handicapped. Um, uh, everybody knows who Johnny Erickson Tata is, and um, when our kids were little, uh, we watched a movie about her. And after that, we could not pass anybody in a wheelchair without us stopping and praying for them. Because Shana would just insist that we pray right then. Mom, can we pray for them? But that was really sweet. That's just encouraging them to think of others. And I just would always encourage them, guys, whoever is, whoever is the child or the, the person in the room that doesn't have a friend, be their friend. Go and be their friend. Be the one if no one else wants to you know, hang out with them or whatever or maybe they have a speech impediment and you really can't understand what they're saying, be their friend, um, just to have a heart for other people. And for the least of these. Yeah. Um, so many spiritual lessons can be taught in community with the siblings, and so that's what we're talking about. Just keep eyes open, hearts open to opportunities. So many present themselves, but just trying to create that uh, atmosphere of honor and respect. It, it shapes them. Little things like that shape their lives. And when they get to be adults, and there's a crowd, there's people gathering, even to this day, I'll watch them. They'll go to the person in the group. I mean, we all know that, that everybody else kind of shuns. They're going to go to them and talk to them, strike up the conversation, and uh, try to be their friend just because this is how they were, they were raised. So... I have a story about that that I like with, with Jace. He, um, I, you know, when they get to be in high school, I couldn't teach the high school science classes. There are a lot of things that I couldn't <laughs> teach in high school. But anyway, science class was definitely one of them, chemistry and biology and stuff. But they would go to a science class in Plant City with some other friends. And um, anyway, then Shane and Jace one time got to go to this big convention and Shana came home and she's like, Mom, she's like, you wouldn't believe what happened today. It was so, it was so precious. I'm like, what happened? She's like, well, all of a sudden, I just heard this little voice, Chase, Chase, Chase. And she said, and this little boy ran up to Jace, jumped into his arms, and Jace swung him around. He was so happy to see Jace. I'm like, who in the world is that little boy? She's like, oh, well, um, she said, I don't know what his name is. She said, he has a speech impediment, and I can't understand what he says. 
But when we go to science class, I figured Jace was hanging out with all the other guys at the science class. And she said, no, when we have science class and then we have our break, Jace always plays football with him. And um, instead of playing with you know, the other kids. And um, that just really touched me, you know, that he would give the time and the attention to this, to this little one. But anyway, anyway, God's good. Comments, questions, anybody? All right, well, let's pray for our kids. How about that? Let's pray for our kids. Father, thank you for the blessing of children that you have given to us. You have honored by us by entrusting us with the precious ones that you've given to us. Father, we pray again. We look to you. We cry out for wisdom and understanding on how to raise them well and ways to raise them to honor your name and to love them as you love them and to be the extension of your heart even to our own children, Lord, and to train them. Help us to be seed planters in them, to plant seeds of eternity in them that they will keep for their whole life that will be pleasing to you and make you smile when you see those seeds growing up inside of their lives. And Father, we pray for your help, for sensitivity to your spirit in creating atmospheres in our home that invite your presence, that invite your blessing upon uh, our children. We want you to draw near. We want you to have your way, and we want you, Lord, to bless our children. We ask that you would continue to work inside of their hearts to draw them to yourself. Father, we ask that you would make yourself known to them in the deepest parts of who they are, that they would know you in deep ways, that that Christianity to them and relationship with Jesus would not just be words that they hear, but that would be a deep reality that shapes and forms them and rocks their world. And we thank you, Father. Make us instruments of your grace, even in our home. Thank you. We thank you for the families represented here, for the moms and dads. Lord, I know sometimes the task seems so daunting and we feel so inadequate and I just pray for great grace and encouragement let this there be a spirit of encouragement that you are working with us you haven't thrown us into the ring and go go out there and and win the fight yourself but you you come in there with us and you're helping us and so father I pray for strong encouragement in the hearts of every parent here that we would uh, not just begin well but we would finish well that you would give us all of the wisdom and strength and grace that we need each day. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.